Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what's behind their failures. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Growth Colony. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Eric Verdon, CEO and co-founder at Morpheo.ai and co-founder of Arcane, about problems marketers face when they're usually managing large advertising budgets, especially when they're doing it with online platforms. On that note, let's dive in. Eric, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute (laughs) pleasure. From, from lovely Toronto, uh, it's, it's great to have you. Now, uh, now, for those who might not be familiar with, uh, with yourself or, or Mofio, can you, uh, can you give us a quick background and intro? Yeah, I'm assuming that 99% outside of you and me aren't familiar with, uh, with who I am, but that's, that's okay. Um, yeah, so a long, long-standing marketing guy, advertising, uh, you know, short version is I, I wanted to build websites uh, back in the mid '90s. So for the, any of those of you that remember that time frame, it was a while ago, uh, where a rollover was a big deal. And, uh, and you know, I've been in the business ever since. Um, was fortunate enough to be in the agency side a few times, starting from my basement to you know growing some some fantastic companies and. Uh, the largest being uh, Arcane. Uh, at one point, we were one of the fastest growing in, in North America. Um, we had a lot of uh, a lot of focus on driving a, a huge return for our clients. This we started the business on the heels of the last uh, recession reset in two thousand eight and nine, um, and you know found it a great opportunity where clients were really focused on the return they were getting from their dollars clearly with not as much money floating around so that was the first wave and kind of rode that um, you know up until you know up until recently where uh, obviously the, the world has changed and it's been a really fun and interesting experience you know growing from zero me and my business partner in our basements to 100 people and 15 million in revenue in five years and three offices and five acquisitions and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff you know to building now a, a really a sustainable cash flow positive profitable business took a lot of time and effort and clearly some some gray hair has come from it um, always been involved with many different businesses too and uh, my focus now is on a company called Morpheo which is built for marketers to really ultimately change the way we work um, I think we'll get into a little bit more about you know what it is that we hope to achieve but our mission statement to, is being revamped uh, and basically it is to uh, to create a positive movement um, where marketers like us can be happier more effective and, and awesome so that's what Morpheo is all about what made Morpheo happen like what was it was it the experience at Arcane or or you know was something else how did Morpheo come about yeah, I think it came from there's a few different things. Obviously, it was a, a a need in the agency. I mean, you've got amazing people that we worked with that were always and still are, you know, very busy and running around from meeting to meeting, and and ultimately, all we're trying to collectively do is is understand our clients' objectives, um, you know, sit alongside them as their business changes and evolves. Uh, I think as an entrepreneur, we put on a, an additional lens of being very proactively interested in, in, uh, and focused on 
making money for our clients and get really excited when we can sit down, you know, with the leaders of, of any business and really help shape their, you know, their online presence. Uh, when we started, you know, it was mainly Google and Facebook where the spend, uh, you know, and obviously Microsoft for, for some cases was the majority of where we spent our time and effort and, and the complexity just grew from there, uh, as did the client amounts and the dollars that they were spending, the complexity, and it just compounded and compounded. And we found that our bottom line really wasn't increasing and, and you know, our top line grew substantially. But the, the ability to drive the business forward, um, you know, took us in very manual, into very manual ways of trying to solve it. Um, and so we, we, we had a conversation, I think, you know, it was probably about 2015 or 16. And my business partner and co-founder, John, and I said, there's got to be a better way to scale this business. I mean, we're, we're still relying on manual processes, the same things in the same ways that we've executed over the last 10 or 15 years at that time. Um, and it didn't make any sense. And so we, we ultimately started down a path in 2015 to look at how machine learning could um, you know, ultimately help our business be automated. Um, and then from there, it just became sort of an obsession of looking at every piece or part of our business and trying to find ways that we could automate it. And we quickly realized that it wasn't one thing that we as marketers need to do. It's many incremental changes with small percentages that would actually impact and allow us to scale. And, and, and that's kind of where Morpheo was born from. Right. Now, I definitely, I know that you're, you're very passionate about AI and definitely want to talk about that as well. On, on what you just said over there, you know, the, like Morpheo's title runs defend against marketing failures, right? Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and what, are, what are some of these mistakes that right now comes to mind? You know, you're talking about, hey, there are all these little things that were happening. What were some of these little things? Well, can you give us some examples? Yeah, I mean, we we all, it's become a, a regular occurrence. I mean, it's things like uh, credit card expires or fails, you know, you've got a campaign going and uh, you've got, you know, a bunch of campaigns launching and you pause by accident or you don't pause when the campaign is supposed to end and you either underspend or you overspend. Um, you know, a couple other examples, you know, tracking and the complexity of, of managing and, and analyzing performance is, is a huge, huge, huge issue. Uh, you know, pixels being dropped, uh, duplicate, uh, you know, analytics views or, or whatever the case may be. Um, all of this relates to um, performance being impacted. And whether it's an hour or a day or a week, you're talking in many cases, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And, and that's, you know, something where I, and I was on the other end of a lot of these phone calls with a client saying, hey, I just noticed that this happened. In many cases, they catch it first because, you know, in agency life, we have 100 things we're dealing with and they have one. And so that is a terrible, terrible phone call or email to get. And as the owner, it generally means, okay, and I can think of, uh, unfortunately, far too many examples. Uh, the worst one being about a $50,000 overspend where it's nobody else's fault except for ours. There's no insurance or protection for uh, an overage like that when somebody went on vacation, thought they hit pause and didn't and, and nobody caught it for two weeks. So, you know, $50,000, whatever the example is, it generally comes out of our pocket. And you think of the other way is how much do you have to sell? And you, look at, you can look at your profit margin how much do you need to sell to recoup, you know, that ultimately that money that's flowing out the door? And so those are a few examples and there's many, many more, but 
those are the kind of things that cause us to be busy, scared, nervous, unhappy, stressed, and why we end up, you know, running around like uh, with our heads cut off is usually dealing with those types of things that take us away from the stuff that we love to do. And, and I would imagine right now, first of all, you probably deal with a lot of agencies and I would imagine right now a, you know, tackling those challenges and making sure that you, you kind of address those, all of those small uh, uh, items that together become a, uh, this, uh, this, this amazing force of uh, driving your business, your, your agency to the, to the ground becomes a even more important considering what is happening right now in the market and, and buyers becoming a lot more sensitive. Is that, is that what you're seeing? What is, what is happening in the agency world from your lens right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a outside of unfortunately, and I hate to even talk about it and hear about it, but a lot of agencies and small and, and large are failing and, and clients have turned off budgets or canceled contracts. And, uh, and it's just the reality of, of, of what we're seeing. And so there's a lot of that, uh, which means displaced marketers, stressed people looking for jobs. Um, founders in many cases either starting something new or, or having to deal with you know insolvency etc um, in some cases though on the positive side you have a bit a lot of businesses are rapidly moving to figuring out what their online strategy is so I think in, in many cases it outweighs um, you know some of the issues that are out there but most brands have now had to sort of hyper focus in, in what they need their online presence to do for them um, in many in many cases, they may even completely change or pivot their business to offer something to drive additional or net new revenue through online streams. So, you know, marketing as a whole for a long time has kind of gone unnoticed or shoved to the side as a thing that's kind of nice to have uh, for the smart brands and for the smart marketers uh, inside. You know, they know the power of what digital marketing attribution and, and proper tracking and and ROI can can do and can mean, and I and I think that you know we're we're putting in now our business into the driver's seat, where marketers are really leading strategies going forward. Um, so that's a big you know big opportunity. So I'm I'm hearing and seeing a lot of that, which is super positive. At the same time, finally adoption. You know, there's been a lot of buzz of AI and machine learning over the last few years, but now it needs to be implemented. Businesses need cost-effective solutions. They need to scale. There's not a lot uh, of, of team members out there. If you think about it, there's a, still a massive gap in a lot of jobs that are open. Hopefully, more of those will be filled. Uh, but in the marketing space, um, and a lot of that is trying to replace the, you know, the, 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 the mundane stuff, the constant analysis, you know, people having a hard time finding uh, people to, to fill those roles because it's, it's not a fun job. And it's you know, number crunching all day long. We as marketers, we want to be strategic and have fun and solve client problems or, or internal problems and issues and, and opportunities. Uh, and so I think there's an adoption for uh, tools, affordable tools that are smart. That's really going to help them be happier in their in their jobs. And it's, it's you know, it's nice to, to see that as a trend. And on that note, let's let's talk about let's talk about AI and, and the you know, agency word and market marketing world. Right. I, I you know, I feel like. AI is still quite undeveloped in terms of the marketing world and, and adoption in the marketing world and the agency world. What do you see over there? And, and what, is, what is your experience with, with agencies adopting AI? Yeah, I mean, there's two, two ways I'll answer it is there's definitely a learning curve and a comfortability um, in terms of understanding it and knowing how to trust and pay for uh, you know, a new tool that seems in many cases just way out there and, 
and maybe it's not relevant from my business or whatever the excuse is. But um, you know, marketers and business owners need an AI strategy. They need to understand it. If you don't, you you will fall behind. Um, it is and will take over. So it's it's definitely on the onus to to make sure that everybody feels comfortable. Um, I think the other way is that I'd answer it is that you know ultimately it, it we say it's a new a new way to work and we use an analogy this of this check engine light and uh, I'll use it to make my point but we used to and back in the olden days we you know open the hood and we check our spark plugs we'd make sure there was enough tire pressure in the in the in in uh, in the tires before we would drive and you know you get in your car now and you've got this check engine light that tells you if any of that stuff is is a problem and you think of that and you're like yeah, okay, I get that. That makes sense. I can see, even though I'm not that old, but I, you know, I can, I can respect it. Um, you know, but that evolution hasn't necessarily impacted the marketing industry. And, and there are definitely things going on, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a notion that we need to be comfortable with the machine, in this case, the computer in the car, giving us information. And now we take that for granted. That's okay. But, you know, I feel estranged when this AI tool is actually giving me more insights than my, maybe my team ever has. And so that's just going to take time. It's more of that social movement to new processes, new workflow, uh, in, a, in a different way to, to perform our business that right now we can do in a comfortable way, albeit not scalable, which is making people angry and frustrated and, um, and maybe isn't giving us all the results that we hope to achieve. So that, I think, is the biggest challenge when you, whenever you have to move people into a new way to work. We'll just take time and education and credibility, and that's, uh, you know, that's definitely coming, though. How should people do that? Like, how should, because, I mean, look, it, it, it's also a vague concept, right? AI. It, it's like, what does that mean? It could mean so many different things. Yeah. But, you know, what do you, th- how do you think sh- should, whether it's it's in the agency world or it's in the marketing world, so, like, you know, large department and organization, how do you think they should approach AI? Like, you know, they if they if they say, hey, we would like to adopt the, the as you said, the new way of working, how should they go about doing it? Well, what we did before we built Morphia was we looked at where uh, where we were seeing frustration uh, from our team members. We looked at where our the hours were going from our time logs in terms of where people were putting their time versus the impact, and then what we were able to charge. Uh, we did a lot of investigation on where we felt that people were just doing busy work. Uh, and ultimately where we thought that, you know, a, a machine could do a, a, a better job or at least replace something that we knew the team didn't want to do. And so the point is that there's always a trying to find a, a problem uh, or a hypothesis and, and trying to solve that with machine learning or, or AI is, is a good way to go because you know what it is that you hope to achieve. If you're just, you know, like I said, I'd like to invest in AI or try AI. Well, you don't really have a need. You're just kind of curious. And so I'd always say, look at the business, look at where money's going out the door or time or, or effort or hours, or ultimately where people are being you know, frustrated or what's causing them to not be, um, you know, have the most impact as, as team members or employees and start there and, and build one case and go and try to solve that business problem with some machine learning. And, and if that's the very start, machine learning in terms of a computer being able to compute something faster than somebody else is a simple, a simple way to ingest it. If we have a problem that we get and it's our business, hopefully that's maybe an example of how we could, uh, business owners could could start or at least uh, give it a chance and use that as an example. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? 
need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthconnie.org forward slash slack. I'd like to also touch on a little bit an arcane. And again, we, we touched on it briefly, but some of the mistakes that you've made and, and some of the issues that you've had over there, right? Mm-hmm. If you would, if you would go, this is the, if you would go back, right? The go back question. Um, okay. If you would go back in in the arcane days, because and the reason I asked this is more for you being coming out of um, uh, some of the problems that you've experienced over there. You know, if you if you go back in in the arcane days, what are what is one thing that you would stop doing sooner rather than later? Yeah, I mean, you're so I'm you know building the business, sort of young and somewhat experienced, but really not. And uh, I think you you make a lot of decisions based on what you believe success to be perceived as. Uh, and so many cases, I think I forget exactly how the line is, but it's something like revenue or sales is vanity. And, and profitability is uh, reality or something like that. And, and so the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you, you do a lot of the hire a bunch of people because you think the number headcount matters. You drive top line revenue because you're chasing awards or, or, or other things. And, uh, you know, it's hindsight's obviously 2020, but I would, I would, we, we were lucky. I mean, we were profitable all along the way, maybe not as much as we could be. So we, you know, we, we did a lot of good things. Um, but I, I think that if we could do it again, it would be um, more focused, profitable scale versus you know scale at any cost. Um, and so I think we may have lost some good people. I think we may have lost some really good clients. I may I think we may have not put as much emphasis as we should have on you know culture or certain things. And I think we did pretty good at all those, but. Um, you know, if I was hindsight, I would, it's probably really around the, the vanity side of, of really focusing on a sustainable, profitable business will give you ultimate, um, selection, ultimate power, success, creativity, whatever words that you want to use, build that foundation. We, you know, you and I talked about it a few weeks ago, build that first, create a system of profitability that will really give you the, the power and the flexibility to take the business where you want it to go. And that is a, a great place to live and, you know, learn that maybe the hard way over the last uh, bit of the career. But, you know, that's the one, one thing I would say in terms of looking back. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and do you think that would become challenging if it's, you know, if the organization is too small and, and maybe, you know, or, or you felt like it has to grow in order to have a certain, number in the bank account so that it will start focusing on that profitability and um and culture and so on and so forth but or or no it 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 can focus on on all of those things from from the very beginning well i mean i think you you have to hope that it it does all those things and maybe you can get lucky and i think in 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 a lot of cases we did get lucky we you know we had a, a great group 
of, of individuals that have had separate focus in other areas of the business. Um, and we were in constant communication and we're friends and loved growing the business. And so we supported each other, caught mistakes or issues or, or brought up certain things that maybe if you were a solo entrepreneur or didn't have a partner, you would have probably missed or made huge mistakes on. So I think in that case, we got lucky. Um, you know, but I, I do think you can have it all. It's just really surrounding yourself with great advisors. Uh, I'm a huge component, a proponent, sorry, of, of peer, uh, uh, peer networks. I'm, I'm in a YPO and YPO member for now a few years and, and other peer networks prior. And so, you know, having, having a network as me as an individual that I can go to, uh, to be able to, you know, confide and, and have other shared experiences with other individuals that are going through unique, similar or different things uh, was also something I wish I would have done earlier on. It's been a great, uh, a great addition in the last few years for me. Uh, but yeah, so surrounding yourself and, and, uh, and working hard and focus, knowing your business, knowing your numbers, having a great finance team, um, and a little luck along the way doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. Never does. It never does. Um, okay. And look, last question that I want to ask is around your personality and, and some of the things that you believe in. I've, I've noticed that, you know, from, from reading some of the material and the chats that we've had, you are, you're, and, and you mentioned it right now, you're very big on community and you're very big on, on, on helping others out. And there's some, some components of it is, is marketing, but also, I feel like there's a big component of that, of, of what you believe, like Morpheo has a community and, you know, you, you and the team give a, give a lot away. Um, you've, you've talked about that in, in some of the articles that I've read. Why, why is that? Um, I, I think a, a lot of the founding principles of all the businesses we're involved with come from our morals and, and principles and values that we have as individuals. Um, so, you know, I, I believe that giving back is, is, is good karma and, and that, you know, helping each other in this case as entrepreneurs is something that can be a very, uh, you know, obviously it feels great, but it can be a very, um, individual way to live. Entrepreneurs many times are very siloed, uh, even if they're surrounded by amazing people, you know, it, it can be, it can be lonely at the top, if you will. And that's something that I experienced and, and, and I feel as though you're as entrepreneurs too, you're so focused on um, what's ahead next that sometimes you, you don't stop, give back, you know, appreciate what you have and, and all those kinds of things. So, so partly it's, you know, I, I love, I love enjoying and talking to people and being around other business owners. I learn just as much, whether they're just starting or a bit of business for 20 or 30 years. And I've always, uh, enjoyed learning from other people, you know, all along the way, whether they're in the same business as me uh, or, or not. So the active listening part and just the natural curiosity is, is kind of who I am. And so that would be the other way I would look at it. But, you know, ultimately it comes down to, you know, those shared values and really living up to it. And sometimes, you know, you go through those phases of, you know, your, your life and you hit a certain age and, there's certain things that ultimately you just, you, you want to do. And, and, and I think that's a, that's a big one. So whether it's direct community, the community of marketers, community of business owners and entrepreneurs, uh, or if it's, you know, passion projects like roller hockey, which I love to do and golf and, and other stuff, helping people out makes me feel good. And, uh, you know, I think it's important for us, especially with everything that's going on to be as humanly positive as possible. So <laughs> take that for what it is. 
No, that's that. That makes sense. That makes sense. What What have been some of the some of the uh, highlights from being part of communities like you? The the Morpheo community you mentioned, WPO. Um, like what was those some of those early experiences that that it kind of made it click for you? Um, I I think it's just like my like you know this. You you walk into a room with you know a bunch of strangers at a networking thing, and you're lucky enough and to to find someone that you instantly just get along with. Uh, it's a really great feeling and, you know, and I have a whole another uh, uh, belief on why that happens, but um, there's a lot of power in that. And, and uh, the, the energy that comes with like-minded people, you know, ultimately I think moves the, for, the world forward. Uh, and so you, I think you become a little bit addicted to, you know, surrounding yourself by other people that, you know, you want to be like, or that you want to share, share with. And, uh, if we all are, you know, filled with energy and, and if it's all positive and you can surround yourself with, you know, people that uh, impact you in a positive way, then, yeah, I think that that is something that you can't just turn off. And so uh, I always see myself being pretty proactive and, uh, you know, being involved, uh, you know, in many ways. And, and again, given that we're what we're dealing with, where you know, you can't really hug people. You can't really, you know, approach people anymore and you don't know what they look like. It's just, it's, it's really hard to deal with for someone like me that would probably, you know, randomly hug everybody. But uh, uh, hopefully that'll all lift and change and we'll go back to the way things should be and, and then some, but uh, it's a little bit more on, on, on how I look at community. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed that will change, but uh, no, that, that, that makes sense. And thank you for, for sharing that. Okay, so we we spoke for on a wide range of things. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about you know mistakes in in the marketing and, and and advertising world. We talked about AI. We talked about um, some of the some of the mistakes and lessons and le- lessons and uh, and and also lastly about about community. Is there anything else that you think I didn't cover or, or I, I didn't ask that you think it will be uh, it will be valuable to uh, to cover here? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, it, it's tough to say. We could probably talk forever, but um, I, I, I think from our conversations, you know, I, I believe that in in our space, often we are hired as service executors, and uh, a lot of times you can get into um, order taking too quickly. And so I'd always say, especially in the lens of agencies and our clients give the clients the respect that they deserve and make sure that they know that we're in the same room for a reason. They saw something in each of us that they like, whether it's a, a service or a, you know, a way that something was said or potentially a, a core value proposition or whatever the case may be. Um, and so instead of really order taking, I would, I would really challenge to ask those businesses questions and really infiltrate what it is that they hope to achieve and, the more you come back at asking deep questions and doing research and uh, giving a lot of energy towards knowing their business, thinking differently, whether it's right or wrong, I've always believed that that level of intimacy can show that you really do care about the business. And I think that that is something that with all of the noise and complexity of, of digital marketing, that that, uh, that connection to business strategy sometimes gets you know, thrown down the channel. Uh, or ladder for, uh, have you. And so uh, I'd love for everybody that are our marketers to 
to bring back that challenge. We are the experts. We know the data, but also just, you know, not only get to know your client or the business, but really get to know what it is that they hope to achieve. You know, ultimately, if they're going to choose a digital marketing company, one versus the other, it's generally because they'll see something in the way that you approach their business that the other hasn't. And if you really put that time and effort in, I think that will help everybody really secure either more happiness in the role or more success uh, as an agency, uh, you know, when they go, when they, when they try to grow. That's very true. And I think that's also true for marketers in organizations as well. I feel like, you know, a lot of situations, uh, in, in a lot of situations that you, you find that maybe the upper management will come and all of a sudden dictate something because, you know, what they like or what they think is right and override some of the, you know, marketing has gone done market research, understand the customer and all that. But the, you know, the highest paid person in the room doesn't necessarily feel that's the case. And they might push back and things would change. And I feel like it is agencies, but at the same time in the marketing world, it is also the, uh, the marketer and the practitioners in organizations as well that, uh, that find that, that challenging and they, they got to push back. I, I, I really like that. Yeah, I'd also I'd also say so. Just on that point, it's it's like, and that's really what I'm so passionate about now is that, you know, why would any of us accept to be frustrated and unhappy and busy, you know, in going in and out of Facebook data and Google Analytics and Google Ads all day long when we don't have to? You know, we all want to think about those big strategies and have time to be creative and, and problem solve. And, and sort of that's the thing that all of us have to think about is if I didn't have to do those things in the morning for two hours, what else would I do with my day? And just start there and say, okay, maybe, maybe I can replace those two hours and then I can replace an hour here or 20 minutes there. How much love would you have for your job if you now had three or four hours in the day not doing the things you don't want to do and enjoying all of that extra time on the things that you love, right? Sounds pretty simple. And that, that's the challenge. Yeah, I think there's a pretty simple answer to that as well. Um, all right. Eric, thank you so much for, uh, for this. Now, if, if anyone wants to know more about Morpheo and what you and the team are doing, what's the best way for them to find out? Sure. Yeah. Just head on over to uh, morpheo.ai, M-O-R-P-H.ai. Uh, you can always find me on on LinkedIn as well, and just uh, send a message out, much like you did. We'll connect and have some chats. So there you go. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Eric. Thanks a lot. Hey, it's Alex again from X Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.